0: You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... by triumphing over them in him. Grass withers and the flower fades. Word of our God stands forever. This morning we're going to look at specifically verses 13 through 15 there in our reading. Paul has this incredible interlude, this incredible moment where between this, he's got three warnings in this passage and he's just spoken the first warning to make sure that no one takes you captive through hollow or empty philosophies by based on human tradition and then he 's going to go into these next two uh, two warnings to let no one pass judgment on you in regard to legalism what you eat or what you drink or what you should wear or festival or new moon or sabbath and then the third warning is to let no one disqualify you insisting upon asceticism or uh, worship of angels some sort of syncretism mystical syncretism bringing multiple religions into one and so those in between though the first warning and these these warnings two and three is this little just beautiful gospel summary and it's 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 so powerful to just to tuck into your mind remember colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15 this will benefit you if someone were to ask you what is the cross about what did jesus really do what is the gospel if you're trying to explain to someone what, what the relationship between your sinfulness and a holy God and how does all that get worked out, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 are just beautiful. And, and so there it's, therefore, it's a good reason or good point, beneficial for us to sit down and just think on these three verses this morning. This little section speaks on the finished work of Jesus. This is his finished work. He is the supreme Christ, the main point for this morning. Jesus is the supreme Christ who has triumphed and finished his work. He has shown up and he has triumphed. He as the supreme God in whom the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Earlier he said there in Colossians chapter 2, this Jesus has shown up and he has triumphed. He has finished his work. He has disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's what's speaking about there in, in verse 15. You know, there, there are some projects that it's, it's fun to just be engaged with as they go along. Like, uh, um, well, we build Legos at home and part of the fun of building a Lego, you know, is it's enjoyable for a while to put it together, unless you buy the giant Lego that takes like two days to set up. Then you get kind of tired of it. But but most many projects get abandoned halfway because they just take so much work to finally get somewhere. And this really is seen with when you're trying to do stuff with kids, with toddlers. I mean, I remember the first uh, big snow we had when Joel was finally old enough to go outside and enjoy the snow. And I'm a first time dad, so I've got and I'm kind of a A dreamer. I'm kind of an optimistic guy. And so I've got these grand ideas. I've got my buckets ready to go. It's good, wet, heavy snow. We're going to build the biggest, coolest fort you can ever imagine. And we're going to, you know, have this incredible time out in the snow. It's my day off. Everything is going to be wonderful. So we get out there. We get all bundled up. We start, I show them, you know, you put snow into the bucket. Here's how you pack it up. And then you tip it over. And we're working along. And packing snow, and he brings over a handful, and pretty soon we've got a few buckets, and then I look over, and he's off doing something else, and we've got like four buckets of snow piled up. (laughs) We've got 35 more buckets of snow to do before we can even get to enjoy the project, right? And pretty soon he's cold, wants to go inside, and it's like the project never really gets enjoyed because... The, the, the finished project was taking so much work, we never really got to it to actually enjoy it. Ten minutes later into my grand project and Joel is done with it. Uh, you know, we do the same thing with cardboard boxes uh, that, because now we have to buy everything, buying so much stuff online, you just get piles of cardboard boxes. Don't drive by my house this afternoon because there are just cardboard boxes in the yard. Uh, but, you know, you, you start getting these ideas and I again have like this, you know, we're going to build a spaceship. Well, I start thinking tin foil and toilet paper rolls and paper towel, you know, we're going to paint this thing up. And it turns out the kid just wants to kind of sit in the box and pretend it's a spaceship. You know, but I've got this big finished project that, that you know, there's something far more wonderful. That, that spaceship never gets built. That fort never gets built. But there's just something joy. There's joy in having a project that is done. The work is done on it, and you just get to go and enjoy it. You just get to go and enjoy the project that is done. There's no more work to contribute to it. There's no more effort on your part. There's no more time spent of working and working and working to get to the place where I can enjoy it. A finished project, it's completed. There's great joy in just showing up to the work that's already done. Like getting invited over to a dinner party. Last night I went over to a party. The work was done. I show up. The desserts are already there for me to get into. And, you know, the work is done. There's, there's, there's great joy in a finished project. Well, what verse 15 is telling us about the work of Christ is it is a finished project. It's a finished project. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Christ triumphed over them. and his death upon the cross and his resurrection from the dead, verifying the, the, the validity of his death on the cross, he has triumphed. This cross, this death, this life, death, resurrection of Jesus is the mechanism by which sinners are made alive. Christ has triumphed. What we see there at the cross is the triumph of the supreme Christ. The cross, the crucifixion, Christ's resurrection, it is not some mere side issue in the Christian religion. You know, we believe in the cross, we believe in the resurrection, and we believe all these other things, you know, about being a good person and and all these other sort of external uh, ways of living. Well, they all flow from the grand reality, the central principle of our faith, we serve a crucified Savior, a crucified God who came to earth, died on the cross. We hear the completion of this work. If you read John's account of the crucifixion, in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross, and what does he cry out? It is finished. us Tetelestai. It's a legal, they used to write it upon a bill of sale whenever or we had a debt, they would write to tetelestai. If it, if it was paid in full, they would write that across the bottom. And Christ on the cross cries out, paid in full, it is finished. The work has been done. There's great joy. This is why the gospel is supposed to be a message of joy because we aren't showing up to the gospel with our list of all the things, here's the things you need to do to enjoy, the, 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 to enjoy God. We come to the gospel and we hear the work has been done. Christ has finished his work. Enter into his joy. So there's, there's six important things to consider in this passage. And you can just see them here in the text with me. I put a list of them up, I think, for you. But you can see them. Starting in verse 13, six important things to consider. We were dead. That's kind of tiny, isn't it? It's kind of small writing, but it's up there. We were dead in sins and trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made us alive together with him, having Forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. By nailing it to the cross, thereby disarming anyone who would, to, who would seek to destroy us. We were dead. God made us alive by forgiving us our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us. By nailing it to the cross thereby disarming those who would destroy us. One and four, we were dead, and there's a record of debt. In order to have a record of debt canceled against you, you have to first admit there is a record of debt. <laughs> there's, there is a record of debt that does exist. This is possibly the biggest hurdle that we face in our world today. This reality can only be seen if you are Willing to, to see that you are not the Lord over all of creation and that there is a Creator that you are responsible to that has given you everything. The, the, the oxygen that you are breathing right now in this room or at home if you're watching online, the oxygen that you are breathing, you did not create. You do not bring in for yourself. You owe every bit of your existence to this Creator. He has made it all. Every molecule of it is under His reign. And so we are responsible to Him. But our world is far more comf- comfortable and fond of the confession that of this truth that we our lives are our own. We have the final say. We are the only ones who can make ourselves happy. We must do what makes us feel alive. We've got to be true to ourselves. We've got to... Listen to our hearts. We've got to be who we want to be. We've got to go out and make ourselves happy and make no apologies. Be who you want to be and don't make an apology for who you are. Just go and be who you are, as though we are the lords of our own existence. But it's in total opposition to the biblical worldview there is a God and you are not him. You are not him or her you're not it you're not the god of the universe as hebrews 11:6 says anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists there is a god and therefore we are all in res- we are all responsible to him One of the most basic of all sins is this denial that god is and further that the god who is is like he says he is. We, we, we refuse that God even is, but secondly, we refuse that the God who is there is the way that he is. Jude, in the fourth verse, um, we read it yesterday morning in, in Bible study, but Jude, the fourth verse, exposes these false teachers for their basic message, which is this. Jude 4 says, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of God into sensuality, making life all about just sensuality in this world, and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. His summary of their false teaching that was leading people astray was this denial of our master, the only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Not only is God there, but as the God who is there, he rules over it all. Every ounce of our existence we owe to him. And one of the chief ways that we rebel against him is by denying his existence. And if not his existence, you'll have many people who will confess a God-awareness. Maybe we don't deny his existence, but we deny his rule. God's there, but, you know, he's not really involved, doesn't really have the say. We either deny the God who is there, or we deny him as the God who rules. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 if you got your Bible out. This is just um, Paul gives this very clear diagnosis of, of this rejection. This rejection of God for who he is. Long section here, but it just he just lays it out so wonderfully. This is this is the state we are. We were dead and we have a debt, we have a, trans, a transgression, a debt that is against us. Verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What's the truth they're suppressing? What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." The, the reality of time, we've come from somewhere, are going somewhere, belies, I mean, it tells the truth that there is a beginning. If there's a beginning, there is a beginner. <laughs> so, but, but, but ever since the creation of the world, we've people have been denying what's clearly perceived. If there's a beginning, there is a beginner. 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. How does this work itself out? For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit, where does that all come from? Where does all that this, this sinfulness, all this rejection, where does that all flow from? They did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner. That's kind of like this, Paul is giving this big pinnacle. Here's the, here's the flagship way you can see this worshiping creature over the creator. They don't acknowledge God, so God gives them over. How does that then roll out? They're filled out with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. What we see in this text is this suppression of the truth of God as the supreme one and the fallout from that rejection. there There is this innate knowing. God is. We have a responsibility to him and we do not keep our word. We do not keep our word. There's a universal rejection of this God. That's what Romans chapter two and verse chapter three go on I will not read all of that this morning. Well, we won't read all of chapter 2 and chapter 3. Go home and read it. It's this universal rejection, and that that comes from all of us rejecting God at one level or another, rejecting the God who is and the God who is Lord. So, because of that, we all, dead, have a record of transgression. Not seeing God for who he is and, worship him and worshiping him as he deserves to be worshipped. So there's this debt of sin standing against us. But the reason why we like this Colossians passage is it doesn't end there, right? We are dead, but God, verse, going on to verse 13, God made alive together with him, speaking of Christ. God made alive together with Christ having forgiven us all our trespasses. How in the world does that happen? This holy, righteous God who has every right, who has every right to to wipe his rebellious creatures off the face of the earth and to be just for doing it. If God were to send every sinner to hell, there would be no injustice on God's part whatsoever. That's just. That is rebellious sinners getting what they deserve. But what does he do? He takes these people. He makes them alive together with him. Forgives all our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How does that actually work out? Paul gives this answer. He says, The record of debt that stood against us and condemned us has been nailed to the tree. Well, how do we want to think of this? Well, if you go where John 19, we were there. You don't need to turn there. I'm sure you know the story um, at the end of the gospel of John and, and Jesus' crucifixion. But it's, there's a specific uh, mention uh, or line in the narrative there of in, in John chapter 19 from Pilate's um, description of Jesus' death. Um, it was common in this Roman practice that when they would crucify an individual, they would write their offenses and then nail it above them. Uh, they'd murderer. This is why he died. Insurrectionist, thief, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the reason is for their crucifixion, they'd write it down and they'd nail it above them. Well, when Jesus is crucified, what he writes Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. You remember this story? And they nail it up there and the Jews protest and they say, don't write King of the Jews, write... He said he was the king of the Jews because they get it. They they want his transgression to be nailed, what he died for, to be nailed to the cross. They want him to die for blasphemy. He said that he was the king of the Jews. So Pilate, though, he refuses to change it. He says, what I've written, I have written. It's a little Mandalorian. I have spoken. That's that's what he's like. That's what I have written. I have written. And and I'm not changing it. And so that, that's, that's this transgression hung, nailed to the cross, nailed to the cross. So here's the imagery. Jesus, as the king of the Jews, the promised coming son of David, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, is hung on the cross... And the accusation that is nailed there, the accusation that he dies underneath, according to Paul in Colossians, the accusation that he dies underneath that's nailed there is the list of every debt that stood against the children of God. If you are God's through faith in Jesus Christ, what happened is every transgression, every record of debt, every sin you committed, has been nailed there on the cross. And Jesus died as the transgressor of those sins in your place. It is the heart of substitutionary atonement. The the record of debt that stood against you nailed to the cross where Jesus died. Nailed to the cross where Jesus died. The supreme Christ triumphed over sin and death and every single force that would ever come against his people. How? How? Because the accusations that should become labeled towards you as you stand before the judge of all the universe when you meet him in that final day, all the accusations that should come against you, you have an accuser standing there, you could imagine, saying, I got a list of five million things of transgressions and the ways this individual did not honor you, did not love you, did not love their neighbor as they should. Christ steps in and says, yes, You're right, that accusation is true, but it was nailed to my cross and I suffered. I took that punishment upon myself. They are set free, they are forgiven, they are one of my own. He cries, It is finished to tell us die, paid in full. So, where does that leave you this morning? Are you alive in this truth? The work is finished. Do you know yourself free from the record of death that stands against you? Is this Colossians drumbeat? Is it your heartbeat that Christ, my transgressions, nailed to the cross so that I would be dying with him and raised to newness of life in him? Or do you know yourself to be free from the record of death that stands against you? If not, trust Jesus today. If not, trust in Jesus right now. Because here's the beautiful thing. There is nothing standing in your way from this full forgiveness. The work has been done. Christ has completed. He has finished his work. There's no special card you gotta fill out there's no some special uh, initiation, right? We've got to send you through to be saved, to be forgiven. The work has been done. The call from the gospel is to repent and believe, look to Christ, and be saved. There is nothing more to do. The work is finished. Just come to Christ. Confess your sin and your rebellion and trust in his substitutionary death. Be made alive by the power of God, and walk out into the future, living in newness of life with Christ, and him recognized as the Lord over all, including yourself. If you've, if if you're listening online or you're here this morning, and this is the first, you've been sleeping through years of sermons. This is the first time you've heard the gospel. Trust Christ. Now is the time. There is nothing standing in your way to look to Christ and be saved. But if you do know yourself to be made alive in Jesus, remember that the power that saves you is the power that carries you all the way home. The work is finished. Jesus has defeated every possible enemy that would come against you to steal you from his hands. They have no authority over you. Sin and temptation comes your way. You've died to those things. You are made alive with Christ. The realization that Christ has completed the work of forgiveness and your reconciliation at the cross and that you are brought fully to life in Him. That isn't only good news for those who've never believed. That's good for us who've believed for years. That's still good news that the work that saves you, forgives you of your sin isn't just to get in the door, it's what you walk with every step along the way. Christ Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, not just when I come in the door to faith, but all along the way. He is my full savior. It is good news all along the way. There is a fight of the faith. Life is hard and discouragement is real. Times are scary. There's no way to just pretend like things aren't hard. Searching for, for happiness, searching for fulfillment, searching for a sense of meaning and purpose, those are real searches that we all feel at different varying levels of, of a search for completion. That completion is what Christ has won. We aren't meant to be out searching, searching, searching trying to, if i if just this if just that if i can only get to this place if only these circumstances would line up if only everyone in my life around me would get their stuff together then no christ is all his work is finished and when we're searching all we need do is look back to christ in having him we have god we have reconciliation with our creator We have have been given uh, possession of this uh, inheritance so high and so lofty that it can never be stolen away. Have you failed to recognize Christ as Lord this week? Are you living with a full awareness of the godness of God? The answer to that is no. (laughs) None of us are. None of us are. There are residual battles in all of our hearts to kill our own sin and to live in the fullness that is found in Christ. Have you failed to rest in the fullness of Christ and search for fulfillment in other places? Those are all accusations coming against you. Even, even the, the saved Christian working out their sanctification, simul justus peccator sorry, Latin, Were at the same time just and sinner, the reality of our future going on and still not fully arrived. The good news is even those sins you've committed this week, when you failed to treasure Christ, every one of those sins even nailed to the cross. The work is finished. Therefore, every single one of us in this room this morning can walk out of here made new by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has canceled every debt his people owed. He has disarmed every power that would come against them. He has made alive those who are his. Let's look to Christ and his incredible work and rejoice. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see this. My words trying to even pull out the meaning of this text are so flat and empty compared to the glory that they're trying to describe I don't lift up to you anything of myself. I don't waste my time searching for my hope and happiness and fulfillment in the things of this world. It is Christ. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. God made that forever be our refrain in Jesus name we pray, amen.